0: Going, Yankee fans. Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with you boys, trio today. Alex, Nick, and Ryan. Today we're discussing three players that could really shine during spring training. We each picked one. Going to discuss them. A couple of honorable mentions. We tried to go with players that weren't like the obvious ones, like Anthony Volpe and Paraza, and a, a couple of other ones that. Um, could have big impacts or at least, you know, have big seasons in the minor league system, whether it be in AA, AAA. Um, there's some really good names here that could be uh, exciting to watch and to keep your eye on during spring training that may not be the most obvious ones. But before we dive into it, I'll start with Nick. We'll go, we'll go with myself and then we'll go with Nick and then Ryan. But Nick, how are you doing today, my friend?
1: I'm doing quite well today. Um, I woke up to see another Jose Conseco challenging Aaron Judge to a home run derby tweet. So that's only the 400th time he's tried that. So that was pretty fun to see. Um, and honestly, I'm just, we're getting so close to baseball. I think I've said this like every episode now, but we're getting so close to baseball returning that I can just taste it. It's palpable. So I'm, I'm getting by, um, but this, this month of January just continues to move at a snail's pace, like Josh Donaldson around the bases. So I don't know. I'm hoping for some, some more news coming out soon. Um, recently, it broke that JP Morosi said that the Yankees are still engaged in conversations with Jerks and Profar. So at least we have something, you know, working in the wor- or something in the works behind the scenes and maybe it means that Hicks is finally on his way out. So I'm doing quite well, couldn't be better. What
2: about you, Ryan? Doing all right, you know. Ultimately, again, as you mentioned, the closer we get to baseball, the uh, better my mood is, right? Uh, this is kind of a lull for for like most people who are huge baseball fans. Uh, we've got the NFL playoffs going on, but it's one game every week, so it's <laughs> between those games. There's really not much to look forward to. So I- I'm excited for us to be able to get closer. At least spring training or pitchers and catchers reporting.
0: I'm dying for baseball at this point. Yeah, you can say that again. I think we're all kind of dying for baseball. Let's jump right into it, though. So, you know, I'll start with my first kind of spring training shiner. Uh, One guy I really am excited to watch. That's Johnny Brito. Johnny Brito is a young prospect. He's 24 years old in this system. So he's not like the youngest of the bunch, but he certainly has age on his side in terms of development and and what he can do as an impact player for this Yankee team. Really interesting player here that has kind of the longevity in his game to be a starter. He's a workhorse. That's what a lot of the developmental coaches are saying. He's kind of that guy that can just do a lot of different things for you. Come out of the bullpen, be a starter. Um, Like I said, 24 years old. So he's kind of at a Ripe age, Um, he spent 42 innings with Somerset in Double A last season, and 70.2 innings with Scranton in Triple A last year. In Triple A specifically, he had a 3.31 ERA, 6.75 strikeouts per nine, and 0.64 home runs per nine. So he was not giving up a lot of long balls. 75.6 percent left on base rate and a pretty impressive 54.4 percent ground ball rate with a 4.63 xFIP. So you're looking at a player here who can do a lot of things for you, has a pretty decent array of pitches, um, has a breaking ball, a changeup, a really above average changeup for that matter, and a solid sinker. So he's currently the Yankees' number 10 ranked prospect, um, a righty pitcher. He's been doing it a pretty good job. Um, at A, and then was really solid in A. so I would not be surprised. Matt Blake has already coined him as a player that could have an impact in this bullpen this season. So in spring training, I expect him to get a lot of looks. I expect them to kind of utilize him to gauge whether or not he's ready to take that step forward, especially as they pin him against better opposition. Um, but this is going to be an exciting player. I do believe that he could be someone who maybe isn't called up immediately, but you know has all of his minor league options. So um, I would not be surprised if he was called up pretty routinely throughout the season to supplement some fatigue. Maybe if if the Yankees have a couple more injuries, knock on wood, in the rotation, he could be a spot starter. He could be like a JP Sears type of guy for you and just come in. Of course, you know, Sears is a lefty, but he could be that kind of guy. Like if we need a spot starter, they could call him up from Scranton, you know, bust him up there. Um, you know, get get him an Uber or something and he'll show up at the stadium and be ready to pitch because he's got that kind of longevity to his game. Um, and with that lethal change up, you know, obviously we have a lot of guys who have really good changeups in this, in the system, you know, notably Ron Marinaccio, one of your favorite guys. Um, but I'm excited to see what Brito can do. And Nick, you know, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the 24 year old guy that has some pretty decent uh, versatility to his game and could make an impact this year? I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Again, I don't know
1: if Brito's going to be the guy that will, right out of spring, get penciled in as a five-man or maybe a swing guy or a long reliever, but he he could come up and supplement innings. He could. Well, y- your J.P. Sears comp was literally exactly what was running through my mind as soon as you said it. Um, I, I know he's not a lefty, like you mentioned as well, but Sears did a great job at being that guy when the Yankees early in the season needed someone to supplement innings, especially when he went down with Tommy John they're like, well, who are we going to really call upon other than Clark Schmidt to give us some innings? And J.P. Sears was that guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if Johnny Brito is that guy this season. Like you say, he's only 24, has good stuff, a sinker changeup combo, which I feel like is kind of the the forte of these Yankees pitchers nowadays. Like you look at like every bullpen arm and I feel like six of them have a sinker changeup that they work off of now, including Tommy Caneloo, who's going to be throwing his sinker two seam combination this year. It's not like the sinker to seem two pitches, but like it's a one pitch combo that he's mixed up. So I think that his makeup and his array of pitches will, will allow for him to have some success at the major league level. It just remains to be seen if he can kind of keep that success that he found when he made that jump from double A AA to triple A in that jump from triple A to the majors. Um, I don't know if he's gonna be one of those guys that will see 70, 80 innings. Cause that's a lot to ask for out of a guy like that, but he could easily see 40, 45 innings start a couple of games here and there and like you said, knock on wood, but assuming the Yankees do have some more injuries, he will absolutely be able to come up and make some sort of an impact. So I, I do really like Johnny Brito. There's a lot of pitchers in A AA and AAA that I have my eye on. He's one of them for sure. And the other one would be Carson Coleman. But I don't know, man. It's, it's The Yankees have a lot of talent and a lot of depth, and he's one of those guys. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so the way I look at Johnny Brito is, well, I think of him as, I mean, I know JP Sears is the comparison that we're thinking of off the top of our heads, but I kind of have this weird feeling with Brito that he can be, uh, you know, the, while the, the X FIP and, and the strikeouts walk rates aren't as promising, I have a weird feeling about his ability to just put up strong run prevention despite not getting a lot of whiffs. Uh, I, I've talked about, you know, pitches that are BAPIP suppressors or, you know, pitches that ty- typically uh, is are hard to generate hits off of. You know, you think cutters, change. Range ups, sinkers are part of this as well when located correctly. Uh, Brito has consistently run low bat hips against. If you look at his, uh, his numbers in AAA, it's not at 300, is bat it's, it's well below league average. And while most people might look at that and say he's lucky, I, I do think there's an aspect of launch angle management here, right? And, and just being able to throw pitches that you really are going to struggle to generate hard contact off of. If you think of a four seam fastball or you know, even a poorly located sinker, a dead zone fastball, you know, a sinker that doesn't really dip a lot or a four receiving fastballs and have a lot of carry, those are easy pitches to hit, right? We, we see te- there are plenty of pitchers with really good stuff or, you know, high velocity or, you know, we look at and say, hey, maybe this guy can make an impact at the Major League level and they just get tattooed. They go up a bunch of hits left and right and you're like, why is this happening? Well, if your pitch arsenal, your pitch mix doesn't, doesn't have uh, the requisite pitches needed to uh, generate soft contact, you're going to get lit up at the Major League level. So maybe Brito's a, a little bit of a, a, a unique pitcher in that sense where he can gener- where he lift limit hits at a very high level Uh, and this isn't a guy who's had walk problems in his career either so that whip is always going to stay pretty low Uh, and and maybe that allows him to overperform and have a better ERA but uh, I I do think especially with Montas's injury you know the Yankees are going to definitely you know kind of treat Cortez and Rodon similarly I also group Severino in that regard where I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees have to miss two or three starts during the season with an injury Uh, you know Phantom IL Uh, the Yankees want to make sure these guys are at their peaks in in the postseason, right? Carlos Rodon experienced a decrease in his stuff plus towards the end of the season, which is fine. He's going to try to pitch because of, you know, he didn't have a postseason to look towards, uh, you know, the Yankees with Severino, they severely limited his innings so that he can make sure his stuff plus was the best it could be in the postseason. He was throwing absolute gas. His, his best pitch, his best stuff plus numbers since 2017, 2018, you know, back when he was, you know, consistently competing for a Cy Young Award. Came towards the end of that season, so uh, and Cortez as well. I imagine if Cortez didn't have that phantom I else, then he might have run into some fatigue uh, issues uh, late in the season. And I know he had that injury uh, against the Astros and the ALCS. So I think the Yankees are going to try to be careful with their with their pitching staff, and and rightfully so. Garrett Cor- Garrett Cole's their workhorse that they're going to push, you know, for 32, maybe even 33 starts. But Brito's definitely one of the next guys up, even with Herman and Schmidt in the fold.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now we'll go on to the next guy and we'll go with yours Nick. So you have Elijah Dunham, right, as your kind of shiner for spring training. Elijah Dunham current I'll kind of set the table for you. Twenty-four years old. He's a lefty, throws lefty, bass lefty, six foot, uh, two hundred and thirteen pounds, good size. I'm um, an outfielder, you know, has been kind of elevating through the system a little bit older. But, you know, I think that he could probably get that jump to AAA this year, played 110 games in AA Somerset last season Hit 248 with a 348 OBP, 118 WRC plus um, had 17 homers with 63 RBIs and 37 stolen bases. Good speed, good athleticism. Um, what are you looking from him in spring to see what he can do? Why, why do you think he could be one of those guys that really shines? Well, for
1: starters, I think, I mean, we we heard on good authority from Elijah's friend that he is starting the season in AAA, but what that also means is that he should, in theory, be one of those guys that gets a spring training invite, Um, and if he's not, I'm going to be pretty pissed if I'm being for real. Uh, I talked with Eli a couple of days ago on a prospect episode, and he was just raving about Elijah Dunham in terms of his intensity, the fire he brings, he truly does bring that style of play that a lot of fans love to see out of Yankees. And the immediate comp I like to think of is Nick Swisher. Um granted Dunham's a lefty, swishy switch-handed, but if we the switchy, uh, if we can get Elijah Dunham to even put up similar numbers to what he did in double A, which again is a is a tall task, don't get me wrong. Um, Ryan, I believe you expressed a bit of concern about whether or not he's going to be able to hit that major league pitching. Um, The one thing I love about it is that his walk and strikeout numbers, I do think, can carry over. This guy walks 12% of the time, uh, struck out 21% of the time last season. And you mentioned his age is a bit of a, he's 24, he's going to be 25 this year. The only reason he's older is because he was drafted out of college. Um, He went to Indiana. So he's kind of in that Spencer Jones boat where it's like, Spencer Jones will probably spend the next two seasons in the minors, and when he comes up, he'll be 24. So it's like, oh, why did you wait so long for some of these guys? It's because you you couldn't take him when they were playing college ball. And he was really, really good at Indiana as well. Got the nickname Big Cheese for a reason. And the one thing I love about Dunham is, like you said, 17 home runs, 37 steals. If you could get Dunham to play, if you give him 300 at-bats, 350 at-bats, he could probably be a 15 and 15 guy over the course of a season, which is crazy to me. And you said he's only six feet tall. He's not the biggest guy, but he gets so much power and generated speed from his swing because he uses a lot of torque in his approach. A lot of people like to say do away with the leg kick, but for Elijah Dunham, it gives him some of his oomph. Some of the best players in baseball have maintained a leg kick. I mean, look at A-Rod. Alex Rodriguez had one of the most notable leg kicks of all time, and he hit 697 home runs. So I don't really, I'm not a believer in getting rid of the leg kick. I know Glaber Torres, a lot of people are like, get rid of the leg kick. But I I think it really does help some players, and it could have hurt other players as well. But the reason I have my eye on Dunham specifically is just because I think that he would bring something the Yankees haven't had in a while, and that is just that that fire. Um, You currently look at the left field position right now. And it's Oswaldo Cabrera's to lose, as we talked about. Aaron Hicks could be on the way out. Maybe we bring in Profar. But I do think Dunham is a guy that in spring training, assuming he has a great spring training, will certainly fly onto everyone's radar.
2: Yeah, so, you know, when you're looking at Elijah Dunham, he's someone that I, I think... I have obviously there are concerns on my end about how well it performed at the major league global, just based on the fact that when you're looking at median outcomes for any prospect, you know, unless you're really, really good, it's usually not being an MLB starter. Uh, but I will say because he's left-handed and because he does know how to put the ball in the air, there are 10, there are plenty, plenty of easy ways to see how he could generate, um, more, uh, game power than his raw power. Right. You mentioned, uh, you know, he's not only was, he, is he not uh, one of the bigger guys in the system? Uh, uh, but he's also someone who wasn't drafted, right? You know, he, he was signed. Because if you remember the 2020 season, they they, they had a much uh, a, lo- a much shorter draft. Uh, and the Yankees had to, uh, you know, really rely on the uh, undrafted free agent market to pick up some guys. And Dunham was one of those guys. And he's quickly becomes one of their better position player prospects. Uh, and, you know, it speaks to the testament of a lot of these prospects who didn't get uh, a chance to play in the organization in year one. Uh, but I will say this with Dunham. He did gain a lot of muscle between the 2021-2022. Two seasons we saw us in the home run power uh, you know obviously you know t- you, you look at uh, there are no really questions with the bat you know with his uh, sustainability at double a at least you know 288 bat pip is, isn't going to scream oh this guy got lucky or anything um, you have a high obp you have a not too high strikeout rate you have pretty good power Triple A is going to be the big test for him. Uh, you know, if that Triple A WRC plus is 117 or, or, or 118 or 119 or 120, um, the Yankees are going to give him a call at some point. And also another big factor with this is defense, right? How good is Elijah Dunham defensively? We know he's fast, right? We, we know he's fast. We know the dude's got great speed. Uh, but how good he is defensively will probably determine how likely the Yankees are to give him a role. We know the Yankees love guys who pull the ball in the air, especially from the left-handed side of the plate. And I know the Yankees are really going to like Elijah Dunham if he can prove that he can do that uh, at the highest level of the minor leagues. But if he's a good defender on top of that, makes him a corner outfielder, you kind of look at what Aaron Hicks's job is right now. Aaron Hicks is a g- very good defensive corner outfielder. Can't really hang in center field anymore, and you know, really, you you value him because he's a switch hitter, right? And he has a high OBP. You, you know that those are things that the Yankees value value in him, uh, and that's what they're marketing him as. Uh, if Dunham's able to provide that at Triple A, and the Yankees feel like he's a strong corner outfield defender, um, he's going to give them ba- good base running value. Uh, you know, he can give them a good OBP, and the power upside's a lot better there the Yankees are going to kind of be in a situation where they feel like their best fourth outfield option is Elijah Dunham, and you know, fourth outfield options, I mean, even the Yankees left field options right now, you know, we talked about how the Yankee, you know, there's a report this morning about Jerks and Profar being someone the Yankees are still engaged in. Is Jerks and Profar someone that is going to play so well that no matter how good any of your prospects play, um, he's going to block all of them? Not necessarily, right? It's probably, you know, it would probably take a lot for Profar uh, to block anybody and everyone uh, in the lower, in the in that higher level of the minor leagues, but I will say, uh, you know, Dunham's a sneaky guy. I definitely do. Li- I definitely do like the upside there. Uh, but there are, there definitely are some things we got to know uh, down the road, which are like, you know, what does his raw power look like, and then what does his defense look like? That'll determine really his ceiling and his role at the major league level.
1: No, absolutely. And also, real quickly, Ryan, you hit on the uh, the pull the pull factor as well. I know you're a big guy, a big fan of the pull rate. Dunham is one of those guys that's also changed his approach a bit and has gotten better at hitting the ball to all parts of the field over his time in the minor leagues. Since he came up from high A to double A, his pull pull rate went down from 51% to 44%. So if he's also a guy that's a lefty bat and can still poke it to left field and center occasionally, that'll just add more to his value.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, there are a couple of, uh, you know, guys that we haven't even discussed that will have, you know, probably more impactful roles with the Yankees this upcoming season. One of those guys is Ryan's pick, Greg Weissert. This is a player who could have Marinaccio type of impact this upcoming season because of his stuff. Generally, like, he kind of, if you look at his numbers, they're like, okay, you know what, They're they're not, like, Extravagant, and mainly because he started a little bit slow, but his, I think it was his last four performances, his last four um, outings, he didn't give up a hit. So he finished the season on a really strong note. Greg Weiser, it's got that frisbee type stuff. I know Ryan loves to talk about uh, the break percentages and and everything that kind of Greg Weiser brings to the table has a really unique kind of sequence of pitches: sinker, slider, four seam fastball, and mixes in a changeup as well. Um, he gets ridiculous movement on his pitches. His slider generates 78% more horizontal movement than the average pitcher, um, and his changeups at 20%. So you're looking at a guy that can really make an impact with this Yankee team in 2023. Ryan, I'll let you kick it off and give us some information about Greg Weiser and why his impact could be significant.
2: Yeah, so as you mentioned, you know, it's the stuff, right? I know that a lot of people are going to have concerns about the command or how he performed initially at the major league level. Uh, But quite frankly, having elite stuff, uh, it's pretty hard to be bad with elite stuff. Uh, you know, we're looking at, you know, guys that lead the league and stuff. Plus, you have, you know, Felix Bautista, Be- uh, Pete Fairbanks, you know, uh, James Karenchak Paul Seewald, uh, Emmanuel Classe, Clay Holmes, right? Roldis Chapman's probably the biggest outlier here, uh, but he also has the worst command uh, probably out of any reliever, at least by location. Plus, he has the uh, worst command out of any reliever uh, that had a decent sample in 2022. So uh, good stuff. You elite stuff translates usually into great production for relievers. For starting pitchers, you're looking more, you, you know, command matters a lot more your ability to get through uh, two or three times through the order, how your stuff deteriorates throughout a season. You know, these things do matter uh, but for a reliever. You're going one time and one time only, you know, Ron Maranasio, You wouldn't say he's someone who has the best command in the world, but Ron maranasio has gross stuff. So that's why he works. So if you look at this Yankee bullpen, you can summarize it by, you know, some of these guys don't have great command, but they have gross stuff. Clay Holmes, does not know, you know, even when he was, uh, uh you know, cerebral, he was kind of just throwing his sinker down the middle. Even the postseason when he returned, I, I imagine, I-, I promise you, he was just. I'm throwing my sinker, I'm aiming for the middle of the plate, and I will miss either off and I'll still hit the strike zone or I'll miss down and away and they'll swing on top of it and chop it straight into the ground. Uh, You know, Michael King's another guy who just has gross stuff. You know, I imagine he doesn't really know where his pitches are going exactly. It's hard to locate, uh, but when you have stuff like Weiser, it's, it's really incredible. His slider moves 20 inches, you know, 20 inches of sweep is ridiculous. And you know, people don't talk about his changeup and his four-seam fastball, but uh, he was actually better against lefties than righties. And the reason for this was because his four-seam fastball and changeup were a lot better than a lot of people gave them credit for, gave it credit for. Um, he comes, he releases the ball from a lower release point, uh, so you know that's vertical approach angle for those who aren't aware. That's how the, what angle the ball crossed the plate at. A flatter angle is better for pitches up in the zone. So think four-seam fastballs. You want a flat angle on those. Greg Weister throws his 14 fast, but with a flat angle while it approaches the plate. Uh, which means when he throws it up in the zone, it's a lot more deceptive. It has over 10 inches of of, horse, of first vertical separation, which uh, is a good rule of thumb for looking at what makes a good 4 seem fastball and change-up combination. Both pitches excel at the Major League level. You know, as the sinker becomes a little bit better, as the slider gets commanded a little bit more, as he gets more comfortable at the Major League level, Greg Weissert can be a guy with four really, really, really good pitches, um, and, and quite frankly, be a guy who can handle lefties and righties. This isn't a guy who's going to just, you know, he'll throw his sweeper and you'll be, oh, well, how he's going to handle lefties because he's got the force even change up combination to handle lefties. It's just a matter of making sure he knows how to uh, uh, command his pitches a little bit better, you know, and just be a little more comfortable. That's it. I-, I really think it's a matter of comfort. We saw in his first outing in Oakland, that was a disaster for him. He just looked uncomfortable. Right. Uh, And that happens. Right. It's your first time up at the major leagues. Comfort is definitely a difficult thing. Uh, And for those who are concerned with his age, he is a guy uh, in his mid to late 20s. Quite frankly, you know, the the art of a young pitcher really is kind of disappeared. Right. We aren't seeing guys come up at 22, 23 and, and be lights out to start it off. Right. I mean, even if you look at Moran Maranasi, I believe last year he came up at the age of 25 and turned 26 very early in the year. Uh, you know, if you look at guys like Michael King, he didn't really blossom until his age 27-28 season. Clay Holmes, when he came to the Yankees, was 27 or 28. Uh, you know, Juani e. Peralta is 30, right? You know, Jonathan Moisega is really the only guy who I can remember that came up very young for the Yankees. Uh, and even then, he didn't really find himself until his mid-20s uh, as a reliever. So, you know, this thing, this, this type of stuff takes time. And, and I think Greg Weiser is someone that, you know, the Yankees are going to have that eighth bullpen spot open. I know Michael King might not be ready for opening day. So, uh, you know, that eighth bullpen spot, you look at a competition where and montas is out so one of the guys in schmidt or herman are going to be moved into the starting rotation He's going to have a chance to make this bullpen. Uh, he's on the 40-man roster. He's got options, yes, but there aren't a lot of guys left on the roster who don't have options that, that you know need to be moved or you know anchor down spots in the bullpen. So quite frankly, he's got a pretty good shot to make the team if he just has a pretty good spring training. And I think that this is going to be spring, uh, a good spring training for him. Uh, hopefully, you know he ends up making the team because I'm very excited about what he can do next season. Yeah, well, Ryan, I, I don't know what else to say. I think you just you just, you just
1: rattled off every single point about Greg Weiser other than like, what his favorite <laughs> childhood activity was. Um, but <laughs> like, I, I couldn't agree more with you, man. Like, Weiss Dogg is a guy that really flew on a lot of people's radars last season because of how disgusting his stuff is. And you love Stuff Plus, and he's one of those guys that is the Stuff Plus darling child. Um, and also, Pitching Ninja absolutely loves Greg Weiser. So when you have disgusting stuff, like you said— it translates usually pretty well to the major leagues, unless you're Albert Abreu. Um, <laughs> I
2: had to throw that one in there for you, Ryan. I had Albert to throw Abreu that Abreu. one. Albert Abreu had a 3-1 ERA at the Yankees and a sub-3 FIP. And when he's good next year, I'm gonna be right. The only reason I didn't include him because he's no longer a prospect. The only if, I do gonna say was would take his spot, Ryan. If this was an episode strictly about which players uh, Nick, why did you approved, do this? have <laughs> something to prove next year in spring training, I would have included Albert Bray, but this was strictly prospects. But I will be Nick back. Nick, just back hit Ryan where it hurts.
0: <laughs> I will biting go like right about like his, like, I'm, right, his I'm ready, I'm ready to
2: be like, right. I'm ready Grinding
1: to be right. his teeth. <laughs> you say one more thing about Albert O'Brien. Uh, but no, like I, I think Greg Weissert is a, a, definitely a guy that, out of these three players that we've talked about, probably has the most likely shot to make the opening day roster. Um, Dunham, I do think, is going to need time in AAA, and I think they're going to give him time in AAA, as they should. And then Brito is a guy that we talked about as well that could basically be used in a supplemental role, um, unless the Yankees are really impressed with him in spring. But Weissert, I think, as of right now, I'd still pencil him in the bullpen. Um, I know I just took a little shot at Albert Abreu, but if we're being honest, it's probably that one spot that's going to be up for grabs, because the rest of the bullpen is pretty much chiseled out, especially seeing that Trevino got $4 million. So he's probably a guy that the Yankees are like, all right, dude, you're for sure part of the bullpen. And I'm fine with that. Sweet Lou was great with the Yankees last season. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think Weissert, if he can work on his command a bit, feel a bit more comfortable throwing that fastball and working off of it, then I think he's a guy that's going to be a namestay in the bullpen for a
0: couple more years at least. Absolutely. I think you're right, and and he's a guy that's going to make an impact this year, and it's going to be pretty prevalent. We're going to see him heavily involved, so I'm very curious to hear your thoughts, guys, in the YouTube comments about some uh, prospects or players that you might be looking at during spring training. We wanted to pick some guys that maybe not a lot of people are talking about or thinking about um, and, and kind of keeping an eye on those, but of course, we do have Volpe, we do have Peraza, Cabrera at the top of our minds and are very excited to see them as well, but always happy to hear perspectives below in the YouTube comments. Make sure to have a fantastic Rest of your day. Like and subscribe as always. And we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.